Hello, this is Matt Merlin, the worship pastor here at Glenholm Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, October 9th, 2022. Hey everybody, I'm John Vanderbilt, the executive pastor here at Glenholm Bible Church. And I'm Kelly Brady, and I serve as senior pastor. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level Good morning. Good morning. We are down uh, a person. Simone is out. She's out and about. Yes. So it's just the three of us. We miss her. And uh, we're going to get in and get out. Get done. Just be efficient. (laughs) So, John, let's start with your hero story. (laughs) Saving your lives yesterday? Every Sunday, we're saving lives, Kelly. Yeah, okay. Wait, so let me, can we start with what I saw first? Yeah. Because <laughs> this yeah. is all I saw. So I came in yeah, I wasn't to, the, 100% to the church sure this morning, and I said, Matt, did you see what happened? He goes, well, all I saw was, and I said, well, that's funny, because Sherry saw your face from the front <laughs> row. I was trying not, I was up. We were, like, service had kind of begun, mm-hmm. and I was front and center, and the doors were the, the doors, doors were still open. The, the middle center aisle doors were still open, but were getting ready to close. Yeah, they're closed. And <laughs> I just saw um, a pair of feet, a pair of feet <laughs> on the ground sticking straight up. Like, <laughs> so in other words, soul. someone's on their back. Someone mm-hmm. is on their back. Yes, that's <laughs> all I door. saw. You know, and uh, Sherry saw your face and thought, "What's going on?" Yeah, I, was, I think I was looking for you or John. I was looking for someone just to make sure to see if there was panic on anyone else's face. <laughs> because you know, I mean, there, are we all there, feeling this? There right. are some situations right. that could ar- arise yeah, on a Sunday yeah, morning where I yeah. would probably say something, yeah. but you don't want to jump the gun on right. something like yeah. that. So you don't want to stop the meeting. Hey, what's going on back there? <laughs> I don't like, like what I see. No, I think I just dropped my donut. You know, like no, you don't. <laughs> want that yeah. right <laughs> we're, but, good, we're good <laughs> oh okay okay let's go so yeah so yeah what a, happened a young woman uh was not feeling well and she she got up and was lightheaded and started to make her way out i happened to be uh in the sound booth in the back as we were starting service and trying to get everybody seated and counting seats so i'm standing back there while i notice her get to the doors and she's woozy like she's about like to, she's gonna go down. Yeah, like if you've ever fainted or passed out or anything, you know everything starts to get black all oh, around you're you. You're in the tunnel. You're in that little, yep. you know. My, I wasn't having that experience, but I. That's what looked like was happening with her, and so I kind of quickly cut behind the, the the sound guy who's trying to mix this music. Yeah, and um, and right as I got there, she she passed out she fainted so then i'm right at the door so i had to like push the door open and get her out of the room because you don't want her in the room and all that so um so that's what you saw was her <laughs> right and i don't know how i room. missed that yeah i don't know how i missed the you well, going out several the door. people came into the aisle Okay. to make sure she was okay. okay. And I'm sure they blocked your view. That's, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So when we got her into the lobby, she, she came to and um, don't, you know, just one of those things that sometimes happens to she's people. She's all you good. Know? So she's okay. And um, because she had... Never a dull moment. Yeah, because she had passed out. We, uh, someone called 911 and so an ambulance did come and they checked her out and she, she was fine and just scared and embarrassed and all that, you know, for her. And and she was just feeling all that. So we cared for her and it's nice to have medical people in the congregation who made their way to the back. And so I was commenting with you guys that I think that's the second time this fall. I couldn't remember if it was in the fall or in the spring, but, um, it, it happens. I mean, it's happened, uh, I don't know, in the last seven years I've been here, probably a dozen times. Yeah, people just you know they don't eat breakfast or they aren't feeling well, and you stand up and you start to (laughs) get a little lightheaded, or the room is warmer or whatever. So it happens. Get that many people in one space. So well, so that was exciting, but uh, there was there was a lot of (laughs) excitement. Highlight of the morning. No, there was a lot of excitement in general. I felt like in both services a lot of energy. Love the singing. People sang loud. We had a a a guest with us um, who helped lead. I thought he did a great job. Um, And we, you know, we had we have new decor. 
Yeah. Uh, front, front wall decor, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, coming, coming Matt, how into... long did that take you to paint that with a brush? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I knocked it <laughs> out those, from like... You got those circles perfect. <laughs> and, the, and the gradient. People kept asking how yesterday, did you fade the gradient? is that paint? <laughs> and then when they heard, no, it's just giant decals, they're like... Oh, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Got them from the dollar store? <laughs> <laughs> They're scratch and sniff, so come on up. It was cheaper. Shout is spelled wrong, so we got a discount. <laughs> I just keep wanting to sing the 80s song. Shout to the Lord. Wow, that was bad. Yeah, that was I, I really mean. bad. <laughs> Kelly is not allowed to be in worship. <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're massive, like super thick. And like these massive vinyl, vinyl yeah, uh, grab like decal. It was a things. deal for the the company to come and put yeah, that I in mean there. it was, but but this was designed. Yeah, it was right? professionally designed, and yes, yes all like that. It, it did need to be designed first. It's not like we there's a store yeah. that sells these things. No, <laughs> no, this was designed by someone in the church. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. she's it was really a per- fun professional uh, graphic designer, and and she then, did an and awesome then job. her idea was given to a company that makes these yeah decal yeah, stickers and we, things. Yeah, there's really only a handful of companies. Uh, around that yeah. do them this large and mm-hmm. are able to install. So and they had anyway. to work around the cross, yeah. right? Yeah. They couldn't go underneath the cross. Yeah, the cross is mounted. Yeah. So. Are we going to do um, like Halloween decals on the windows? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Witches and bats. There'll be Reformation Day decals, actually. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Man, some of the, are we have we talked about this before? Halloween decorations. We did. In we our talked community? about last year how they it's continue like, to get. More. Wow. Yeah. Grotesque. I'm, yeah, the the one house that has the skeletons. It's above the roof line. <laughs> there's multiple. Oh my god. Multiple. Uh, yeah, there's one in South Wheaton that has these massive spiders on it. Like it, like they make we- these webs out of ropes, and then they have these fake big spiders so do you crawling think th- all over their house. I'm like, Ugh. do you think the people that are way into Halloween get frustrated? Others aren't. <laughs> decorating like, like like how you do with Christmas yes <laughs> <laughs> like they sit around at their Halloween parties just trash talking us yeah. like look at that guy he doesn't even have anything up what a- I mean go to Menards <laughs> get an inflatable thing you <laughs> <laughs> big old goblin or something I don't know yeah. it's funny it's just it's just it's celebrating just evil <laughs> I'm you so have 95 theses, theses on your door instead. <laughs> yeah. It's a chocolate holiday, let's be honest. It's just everybody trading. So Heiko buy Winsel, candy, trade candy. Heiko Winsel's in from Germany. He's one of our church's missionaries, and he's here visiting. And we went out to lunch yesterday, and I said, we drove by a house with a skeleton taller than the house. Yeah. And I said, I said, it's enough. I said, so does Germany celebrate Halloween? He goes, yes. And thank you, America. America. Something that was exported. Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, yeah. So yesterday was, uh, there was a lot of energy. The singing was great. Um, Hey, we should say too, there's graphics in the lobby now. Yeah. Those are cool too. The the, the biblical text on the wall. How'd you feel Daryl did? It's fun having... Uh... Let me quote my daughter, Rachel. So Rachel's a Wheaton College student. She's a junior. She goes, anytime a little old man gets up front, my heart just melts. <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job. I mean, he is he's in his 90s, right? Yeah. yeah he's in his 90s. I believe. And he gets around and he, he, yes. he is... He's lucid. He's pretty sharp. He's sharp. Just, he's strong for yeah. 90, I hope. He started preaching when is he, he was 19. Wow. So if wow. you're 90 and we just like said what we said, are you offended by it? Like, of course we're fine at 90. No, I ask him all the time, how are you feeling? He goes, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I mean, if I'm this comfortable talking about how bad I feel at 46, I would think that by 90, I'm quite open to that conversation. I would think, I don't you're know. You're still pretty lucid, Matt. I mean, <laughs> you get up and get around. Oh, I feel like you're doing at this great, point, the listeners, At this point, the listeners like... We really miss Simone. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, he did. A, he did a great job. I, yeah. I, one of the things I appreciated was how vulnerable he was yeah. and how honest he was about their situation. He definitely didn't try to sugarcoat it. Yeah. You know, he was just kind of open and blunt with it. And yeah, and yeah, 
Um, you did your first tour of yeah, that uh, so PCC. So to the listeners, if you would be interested in getting up to see, we are offering tours. Go to glowonbiblechurch.org slash events, the events page on our website, and you can sign up for a tour. And John and I are leading these tours. We had folks out last night. You did the first one last night? Yeah. How'd that go? It was great. It was a lot of fun. I'm a very good tour guide. Yeah. Did you so, give everybody like... Um, like headphones and then it was like you talked into like this little mic it was really fun we all walked in a line was there a tram (laughs) walked in a line it was a tram (laughs) it is a it's a it was a gorgeous evening it's a giant property nine acres and so it it was fun i it's so different than our property yeah it is we are so landlocked so Heiko Winsel, we went to lunch together yesterday, and then he came on the tour with me. That's great. And he couldn't stop talking about how if if you wanted to run programs, you could run any program you want out on that property. Yeah. Yep. Our our student ministry staff came out salivating. Yeah, on yeah. Wednesday, and we're like, oh my word, nine yeah. acres. Yeah, beautiful big yard, fire pit, and oh, all my. sorts of things. So you I could would do say and activities four and... to five of the acres are just grass, like open football fields. Yeah. Yep. Yep, lots of room. I I've been there three or four times now, and um, the the two things that stood out to me the most are just the location of it, the property itself. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of, it's a lot bigger than you would think. Mm-hmm. And number one and number two, all of the houses yeah. around the church, three hundred and sixty degrees around the church, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, there's just neighborhood after neighborhood. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking walking distance. Yeah, we're talking we're talking feasible walking oh, distance yeah. to the church. Yeah. Hundreds of families. Yeah, yeah, in walking distance. Yeah. Like that's. And granted, we have that here, but but there, but here there's a lot of options for yeah. where you want to take yeah. your walk. Yeah, right. You yeah. can go into downtown Glen Ellen. You can go to six or seven or eight different churches and walk. Yeah. In, but like there, it's it's basically just that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where you're walking. So, yeah. It's a um, quite the opportunity. Yeah, so go to the, it's, if you want to take a tour, be fun. John and I are leading the tours. You can sign up online at our website and it'd be great to have you. Well, let's, let's get into some questions. Uh, so first one up is about Robert Steele. He said, Robert still mentioned a shepherding book in his comments. What is that? Yeah, so I, I was wondering if people thought, wait, is there a book in the Bible I've never heard of? <laughs> No, he was referring to the national bestseller. Right. Shepherding it, by shepherding Dr. Kelly Brady. By Dr. Kelly Brady. So when you, when you go to Which Amazon. Which is not actually about tending sheep. No, it's about spiritual There leadership. have been some, some shepherds that have purchased it. I know it a and, lot of And been very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing about it. I think, I think the one guy who Sorry. bought the book took, then took that video of the sheep that jumps out of the crevice <laughs> and then jumps right back, back into, into the crevice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh. Sorry. We're, we anyway, miss Simone. We miss Simone to keep us on track. Let's see. So the shepherding book, when you come on stat, on, on the elder board, when you come on the elder board, you get a, a shepherding, what's been referred to as the shepherding manual or the shepherding notebook. It's, it's a 300-page bestseller. And, <laughs> About a hundred and I think fifty pages or one hundred and twenty pages of it right now is letters that former elders have written to future elders. So Glenn Eggert has written two letters in there, and the last one he wrote was in May, and um, and then Glenn has moved. He and Janiel moved, but it was a reflection on forty years at Glenn Bible Church. And so for future elders to read this, it's really, it's a wealth of challenge. And that's what Robert was remarking on. And so if you, if a listener wanted to copy the shepherding book, I'd be well, happy to share it with you. So just let me know. Yeah, it's a it's a great great resource. Yeah, it's a cool. It's got some of our theological work in there. Um, yeah, it's good good stuff. It it's divided by um, there's a section on prayer, a section on the word, and then a section on um, kind of philosophy of ministry mm-hmm. to keep us on track. All right, let's go to the next one. <clears throat> in your view, is the church 
the storehouse into which Christians are to bring their donations. I think I've heard you say before that you don't believe the church is a storehouse. If that is the case, then how do I decide how much to give to the church? Yeah, so I don't believe the church is a storehouse, quote unquote. So in Mike, uh, Micah, Malachi rather, there's a rebuke and he says, bring all the tithes, you're robbing God, stop robbing God, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And so there is a debate in the New Testament age, the age of the church, are we to be a storehouse and and everybody brings their money to us and then we divvy it up. We would, and, and I don't think that is the case. I don't read that in the New Testament. I think Christians are free to support their local, well, I, I think we have a responsibility slash opportunity to support our local church, but then Christians are also free to give to um, parachurch organizations, faith-based organizations that are uh, championing the kingdom. So, for example, Caring Networks, Naomi's House, Outreach Community Ministries are all faith-based evangelical organizations by the hand. Downtown Chicago does terrific gospel work. So we don't believe the church is the storehouse. It's, in other words, it's not the only um, organi- organization that we can be giving to. I will say the church is the only organism, and I choose that word as best I can, organism ordained by God. It's a living, breathing entity. It's unlike any other organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a living, it's the only one ordained by God to represent him on earth. We are the hands and feet of Christ. So the church is unique. Um, no other missions organization or, or, individ- or missionaries can claim that. The church should take, in other words, precedence over all other organizations. We should, there should be a prioritization. Is my uh, Reading the New Testament, there's clearly a prioritization of the church. It's not the only, Sherry and I give to other organizations, but the church is the only organism the one ordained by God to represent him. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to, to think about um, kind of the role that the church historically played and how, the, how things have changed over time. Like you, you mentioned these other organizations that have been um, created and do this sort of gospel work, but in a unique, unique way. I mean, historically, the church would have been the entity that carried out all of that type of yeah. of work. It's sort of a modern phenomenon, and I say modern in the last hundred years. You know, right. organize, right. You know, I guess probably there's probably some that are older than even that. Two hundred years, maybe that um, that exist to kind of carry out some specific missional gospel um, gospel work, and we often have that kind of. Well, why doesn't the church just? And take all that back or try to do all that again and you know I always say that that, that the ship has sailed on that like yep. the, these things have been created these organizations have been established and we believe in good faith for a good purpose and a good reason you know why do mission agencies exist or why well one they cross denominations they can involve more churches mm-hmm. two they do specifics sometimes um, high end needing well trained yeah, people to be skilled in that type of work that's beyond the <clears throat> the control of the church or the ability for the church to do it well. They need a partner, an expert in it, yeah. and so I think it's just really important to keep those things, keep the connections there. So these organizations there's, are yes. There's actually a cost effectiveness. Totally. Uh, take let's take Team, a mission organization, Jim, Greater European Mission. These, if every church, if Glenwood Bible Church had to raise up a specialist to help mobilize at the level that the organization of team and gym do, then it would be a real burden on every church. Mm-hmm. They offer, to your point, resources, and there is a, they can cross the denominational boundaries, and they can, they can rally churches and, and help churches to mm-hmm. deploy in a way that's yeah, the very idea, cost effective. The idea is that they, yeah, exactly, they would be cost effective, more nimble, mobile, ready to go, you know, there's all sorts of of benefits, but I, I think that that key is just staying in step with, um, with the church, with the local church. You know, having your leaders plugged into local churches, serving in local churches, going to local churches. You know, we look and want those types of of connections, so they, there's no drift away from right from the church. We've we tried to partner 
So in 2003, uh, when I became senior pastor, we spent almost, at that time, none of our money on partnering with um, organizations other than missionaries. Um, and so we started to try to develop partnerships, and it was it was hard. We, there was a huge learning curve for us because we would we would approach a, a, a someone doing good work in the community, and then we'd learn, oh well, we can't share the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're happy to have our money, they're happy to have our people, but we can't open our mouths. Yeah, and we said, oh, that just won't work for us. So it's taken years to identify partners that would take all of all of our church's passion. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, we've launched the Care Center uh, through um, our growth and our development and, and learning what it means to do good um, mercy ministries or justice ministries. Um, mm-hmm. And there are some, I, I think about the skills involved in, say, Naomi's house. They have social workers on staff. I mean, imagine if the church had to employ social workers in order to do the justice work that Naomi's has to do, that'd be a tremendous burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the name of Christ, they're out there doing great work. Why won't we champion them? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there are some churches that, that do both. Yeah. They hire counselors or, you yeah. know, they have that. It's not a one size fits all model, but yeah. in our context where we're located with the high amount of impact that can be had in our community and the, the number of resources that are available and skilled people, this makes a lot of sense to to partner partner with organizations that are doing it well. So, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, when you say grow in the grace of giving, can you give some steps slash strategies for getting that done? Yeah, for me, for for Sherry and I, it's it always starts with prayer and in asking the Lord, "Hey, help us grow." Because remember, apart from Him, we can do nothing. So. The idol of money and consumerism is is not going to be put to death outside of prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit and conviction. But I would encourage you. It's it's like anything else. Uh, giving is is a muscle that can atrophy quickly, but if we regularly exercise it, we can build strength over time. And on our website, go to glenowenbiblechurch.org under the resources tab you'll find that there is a PDF. And the PDF outlines how we encourage people to grow in the grace of giving. So under resources on the homepage, uh, scroll down to discipleship resources, and then there's a giving journey PDF. And that PDF outlines practical ways. And so I'll just give you the outline real quick. There's the initial giver, the person that's not given before. Start there, give once. Know the joy of giving. It's better to give than receive. Then there's the consistent giver. That's where you go next. I'm, you, you outline a, a process to give regularly. Then there's the intentional giver. That's the giver who has a giving goal and you're trying to grow in your giving. Then there's a the sacrificial giver, the one that's actually uh, lowering their standard of living so that they can give more. That's the person who gets uh, pay raises and, and is excited to put, put their pay raise towards more of the mission of the local church. Mm-hmm. And then there's the legacy giver. And I frankly, I don't know that we've done a real good job at Glow and Bible Church in cultivating legacy givers. That's people who remember uh, the church in their wills and who have goals of giving. Yeah, a certain mark um, for their, their life. Uh, yeah. Yep. It, fascinating. You know, many of us have goals. We have income goals, or we have education goals, or we have what we describe as bucket list items. How many of us in our bucket list have a have a financial generosity goal? We want to give away. Let's, I'll, you know, a million dollars, or whatever you know your goal would be. But we should, in our bucket list as Christians, if we truly believe that our life is not our own in Christ, we were bought with a price. And it is better to give than to receive. We should have a goal, a bucket list goal, uh, to leave a legacy of generosity. Mm -hmm. So go to the website. You can look at that. But it's a simple. Here's the simple part of it. If you're currently giving 2%, go to 3 And if you're giving 3 go to 4 And each year, let's, let's grow together in the grace of giving. And you'll see your heart, and you'll see your obedience change. 
<clears throat> I had a couple of in- interesting conversations around the uh, topic of giving and how does the church um, budget for giving and um, some people were asking questions about the reach campaign, how many families are in, how many families are left. Could we just take the balance and divide it by the number of people left and, you know, <laughs> send an invoice? <laughs> it's really interesting how the church has, has uh, handled finance and what your background is, how you come when you sit and listen to the sermon that you gave on Sunday, there's just, so, I mean, people have baggage, yeah. good and bad, yeah. um, around the idea of giving. And I was telling somebody, the church I grew up in, they started the budget process by everybody writing the ple- their pledge for the year, what they would give to the budget. And then they would count that money up and say, okay, we've got, you know. Five, Two million in pledges. Yeah, yeah. And the, okay. and the you know, the Vandervelds and the Vandersmiths and the Vander <laughs> <laughs> Mullins and everybody just go down the list and they they here's what you here's what you're going to owe for the year. Wow! And the, that was the budget. Yeah. Uh, other churches and I grew up in, they said here's the amount. There's X number of families. Everybody gives this much is the required buy-in. <laughs> It's like a country club there. And, I, I, and, and anything that. that you give, you know, so if, imagine like you're the- Like membership dues. Yeah, it's, those are the, that's, yeah. So imagine, you know, the, the elementary school teacher and the CEO of, you know, a successful company, their, their, <laughs> their bill was the same. Yeah, it's hard. And then it was anything that you gave, anything that you wanted to give over and above, that was your offering. Mm-hmm. So there was the tithe and then there was the offering, you know, kind of that concept. And it's just interesting how, you know, um, we have so many financial professionals in the church and they bring so much wisdom and, how, you know, management and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's just, there's a moment where the individual heart of the giver is on the, is what's at play. I mean, they, they sit down with the checkbook or they get, they log in and they go, okay, here's the moment. And you know, what am I going to do in this moment? (laughs) How much can I give? Can I give more? So I thought, by the way, Kelly, I thought you handled, there was a, a moment I know you and I had you and, I had kind of texted back and forth about what you're going to say and kind of in this moment and because you wanted to be, I mean, there's a direct, I mean, scripture's direct yeah. on the issue and I thought you and said it's it it's a weighty up, topic. Yeah, yeah. I th- but I just thought you set it up really well. I thought your, your care for the congregation in a time of super high inflation, economic instability yeah. in the market, yeah. um, expenses, you know, we drove in this morning. I mean, gas is back up to four thirty, and yeah. you know it's like this. The economic environment. Now I, I get it. A buck more for gas isn't, you know, gonna sink the ship. But it's not. I mean, it, it, <laughs> a buck it, more for everything yeah. though <laughs> has kind of hurt. Yeah, kind of felt that, that. That's true. That's true. So I just thought, you know, you could be kind of. There's different seasons, right? Yeah. Culturally, but also in the church where. You know, in seasons of abundance, your message was, the words were the same, yeah. but the, the way in which you delivered it may have been different. Like, you know, and I thought the way that you handled it just with care, but yet not backing down from what God's word said, but yet, yeah, you just, I thought it was very thoughtful and, and caring. Thank so anyway, you. thank you. Good job, Kelly. <laughs> All right, what do so, you think, Matt? Did it suck or was it good for you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the best sermon he ever preached. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just keep getting better and better every week. Uh, All right, well, let's go to this one because I, I think this one's kind of going to uh, hit a hit a nerve with, with a lot of families, potentially. Uh, my spouse and I disagree on how much to give. What do I slash we do? Frankly, I'm unnerved by how much my spouse wants to give away. It doesn't seem wise. It would be easy for me to feel weak in my faith, but I'm not sure that is the reality. My spouse desires, my spouse's desire seems foolish, not faith-filled. That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll say, you know, 15 years ago, I was invited over 
to a family's house, uh, sit down with a husband in, and a in wife. An intervention. That's what it turned out to be. Oh no! And they long ago moved away, and um, so this was fifteen years ago, and um, and they were having this disagreement, this type of disagreement. Mm, interesting. And while I was sitting with them, they described an embarrassing fight they had had, uh, a physical fight. Oh no. Uh, the wife had left for church and um, there was so much tension over giving that he didn't want her to leave with the checkbook. This was back when you passed a plate. This was, you know, no one was giving online back then, mm. 15 years ago. And uh, so when he realized that she had walked out the door to go to church, he ran after her. And they're, they're sharing this with me. And no one knows who these folks are. They're, they moved away soon after. And um, there in the driveway, there was a tug of war over her purse. Ooh. Ooh. And he, she fell, and he dragged her for a couple feet. Oh, no. And as they were sharing that, in the, you know, I was sitting in their living room. You know, there were tears, and they felt bad, but they were at this very impasse. Um, not... <sighs> Not on the same page about giving. It's and it can be that can. Uh, There's a lot, of, a lot going on there. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, it was hard. It was it was really hard, and there was, and giving wasn't their only issue, obviously. So, um, first of all, I would say let's avoid marital division. Let's not give Satan a foothold. Um. I'm encouraged that it's over the quantity. In other words, the listener says, my spouse and I disagree on how much to give. It seems to me that there's agreement we should be giving something, and for that I praise God. So I, I would make, if, if, when Sherry and I disagree, and we do at times, disagree on how much to give, um, we'll, our goal is not to let it come between us. Mm-hmm. We'll, and Sherry and I are in a good place with our desire to grow as givers. So um, we can rib each other and <laughs> kind of tease each other. And, but the, the goal is not, not to let it divide us. So take heart. Man, I'm glad that you're giving something. Don't let this divide your marriage. Uh, this family that I sat with, they were just in tears. And they, uh, it had become an opportunity, uh, a battle line that it shouldn't have been for them. And then I, I would lean on fellowship. I, I think when you're at an impasse on any topic in a marriage, you've got to get somebody else, an objective person to weigh in. And of course, that's hard to do in a podcast. I, I can't be your objective because I, I don't know your marriage well enough. But, so you want, some fr- you want to invite some friends into the discussion, a trusted counselor, or maybe you, you, know, you do want a, a pastoral perspective on this. Um, but you're going to... When you're at an impasse on anything, money, anything, you've got to get some outside help because mm-hmm. or, or, you're stuck and you need to help, have someone help you navigate it. Um, and then ultimately, you know, Sherry and I, I'll, I'll say that we have learned to hear each other's heart. We, we've had at times different priorities in giving. Uh, mine tend towards I want to give uh, towards the explicit witness of the gospel. If someone isn't going to be sharing the gospel, I'm hesitant to give any money. So if it's if it's only a a a social compassion um, cause, I'm less. But she she has a softer heart, and she'll be more prone to giving to a social cause. Um, so what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, it, like you said, it's encouraging that, you know, the, the argument's not whether to give or not. Um, and who knows how much money they're talking about here, but I guess you probably want to ask practical questions like, okay, for the person who thinks it's too much, uh, what are your reasons? You know, what, what are, is this a, um, is this going to affect retirement or is this going to re- 
ref- is this going to affect a second vacation? Like one of the things you talked yeah. about yesterday uh, is what, what what is coming into Why play is here? It foolish, right? In her, right. In um, this person's perspective, yeah. maybe maybe it's medical bills. Maybe it's so, like something serious that you you know that you're projecting or that you've had in the past that you're like you know. Um, I mean, there could be some very serious implications of giving too much, I guess, I guess right? Um, I, I mean, this is tough. I, I guess my gut reaction is like, well, split the difference and move on. <laughs> you know, like, like find a middle ground. I do think you're both going to have to compromise, right? I think like, compromise will be important. And, and Sherry and I, ha- we try to, to let each other uh, stretch, we try to stretch each other and be open to that. Um, and so for the person who feels their spouse may be foolish in their giving extravagantly, will be stretched by that. And, by the, and for the person who, who maybe perhaps needs to be more of a planner, more disciplined, well, let your, let your spouse lead you in that as well. I don't know. It's a tough one. And that's why I kind of default to you've got to get some outside counsel yeah. if you're stuck. That's good. Okay. There's a lot of resources out there too to help people. I think we've talked about that book, God and, God and Money. Um, yeah, I know, you led a small group on that, right? Well, we just, we read it as a, a discussion. Group, yeah. Um, and had a, a conversation about it. Um, but yeah, I know a few folks that use that to, Kind of guide their spending, but then their giving and and how to have accountability in that and yeah. The co-author or the forwards written by Randy Alcorn. Anyway, it's titled "God and Money: How We Discovered True Riches." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to hard to imagine that situation being resolved without both sides compromising something. They're dropping right? their guard. I mean, you're going to ha- have to give I a just little. Can't, yeah, uh, I can't imagine. F- getting that oh yeah oh yeah worked up over oh absolutely <laughs> over giving <laughs> where yeah. you're physically altercation with each other yeah Yeesh. oh yeah you're not talking about this question you're talking about the example earlier yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 i just the whole the the it, it's easy to get stuck and to dig our heels in it seems like the issue was not i don't know i don't want to project well, that this was that was the presenting problem <laughs> Right. Let's fight on something. Here's something we can fight on, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to. That's not the point of the example, <laughs> but the fact that disagreement can exist, and you know that it can make your relationship difficult as you try to make those kinds of decisions. I mean, spending just generally, whether it's giving or spending, right? It it, it, it can be. We're gonna do what? We're going where? You're gonna buy what? You're gonna, you know, yeah. those questions go bo- all all over the place, right? Yeah. So early on in our marriage, Sharon and I <laughs> had some frustrations with each, uh, each other's spending, and so we set a, up an allowance. Uh, and so each I could, person I could, gets yeah, X. I could spend my allowance any way I wanted, and it was usually gone the first day <laughs> of the two week pay window. So but, gambling, yeah, is that what right. it's usually? <laughs> no, but. <laughs> I think you could handle giving that way as well. You could say, "Hey, uh, this year we're gonna we're gonna uh, champion this cause, and next year we'll champion your cause or that type of thing." Or, mm-hmm. yeah, I think just from a marriage perspective, just remember you're not going into a corporate negotiation, right? Like, you're, no, I mean, really, like you're not going in with a mindset of sheets. I'm, I'm going to get this, this, and yeah. this. And I'm going to do whatever I can to get this, this, and this. No, you're going into the situation going, I'm going to have to listen well. I'm going to have to love well. And I'm going to have to compromise something. Yeah. That's it's marriage. Like, so, um, okay, let's go, to the, let's go to the last one. Um, I'm one of those who believes the modern church looks nothing like what God intended and or what the early church looked like. Specifically, I don't understand why we pay pastors. Can you share your thoughts? <laughs> I'll understand if you don't want to feel this publicly. Of course, we want to field it publicly. Let's chat. (laughs) (laughs) So let me begin by admitting there are many, many pastors who serve without payment. I mean, I'll bet there are more pastors who don't get paid than get paid. Like worldwide? Worldwide. Oh, yeah. Most pastors are bivocational. Right. I mean, the vast majority around the world. Yeah. It's an interesting question. It's a great question. I like how it's set up. I'm one of those. Like, there's a 
There's a movement of people. <laughs> I identify as one of those who does not like the modern church. Yeah. It's good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, there are a lot of pastors that serve without pay, and they do it joyfully, and praise God. Scripture, though, is real clear that those who serve as ministers can make their living that way. So I'll just rattle off some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 9, 14. Uh, in the same way, the Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And so, and then I just think of the Levitical priesthood as a precedent. That is, those tending to the priorities of God, worship, uh, the worship space, uh, made their, their living that way. That's Old Testament and precedent for the New Testament. But Paul's real clear. Um, in 1 Timothy uh, 5.18, he uses an agrarian picture, but he says, do not muzzle the ox. I'd be the ox here. We'd be oxes. Oxen. Do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. And his point is, the worker deserves his wages. And remember, even as Paul writes that, um, you know, he's, he's advocating for the payment of Pastor Timothy. It's, it's a, a verse out of First Timothy. So, And then in Corinthians, he uses kind of a rhetorical strategy. He, he says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? And so it's a rhetorical strategy saying soldiers get paid to lead into battle. And then he says, who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat the grapes? Well, farmers get to eat out of the fields that they work. Who tends a flock and doesn't drink the milk? So his point is shepherds should, should get to, um, to, can make their living, um, and then in 1 Timothy, again, 517, uh, Paul says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, he says, especially those who work, whose work is preaching and teaching. The word double means twofold. The term honor in the original language has the, this notion of compensation. So there's actually, it's not, Paul actually goes so far as to say they should be paid and paid well. It, um, and the good news is at Glowen Bible Church, um, I've always felt like the elders work really hard. Um, I typically say when pastors ask me, and from time to time, other churches will call, uh, and they'll say, how do y'all set pay? And we work really hard at it here. I typically say that there's unfair, fair, generous, and lavish. In Texas. Kidding, <laughs> <laughs> kidding. So we, we try to pay between... Um, Fair and generous. Uh, certainly don't want to be lavish or foolish in our payment here at Glowing Bible Church. But we buy into a survey. John, you could probably speak to this more, how we set salaries. And yeah, we compare. We're actually in the season of doing that right yeah. now. We Do try to local. We try to look at locally. Yeah, yeah, and the, you know, all those things. There's a survey. Uh, there's we a company to be a that part we of, are yeah. Yeah, paid to be a part of. And it's, it gives us we enter in data every year and then all these other churches around the world and in our community, they're all kind of entering into the system and then it gives us averages and it factors in the cost of living in our community and the median income and all those sorts of things. So it's a helpful tool. It's not the only thing, but um, yeah, just like any entity um, works on compensation, we work on in the elders as well. The elders of a global Bible church set the staff salary. So the, the, the the lay elders, the volunteer elders set the paid staff salaries. It's, we're not setting our own salaries, John or I or Matt. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so getting back to this question asker uh, doesn't believe the modern church looks like what God intended the modern church to look like concerning pastoral pay. So I, I'm assuming this, that they're saying it's not biblical to... Uh, to have paid pastors, um, if we can assume that and, and have a conversation there. You just seem to have laid out a very biblical argument yeah. for paid pastoral yeah. positions in mm -hmm. the church. So then would you say it is an unbiblical idea to have a stance that paid pastors are unbiblical? Yeah, I don't think you can make a, a biblical case that it's wrong to pay pastors. Um, there are philosophical arguments. Sure. Paul didn't take a paycheck. He was a tent right. maker. Right. And so a lot of people will throw that out there. Well, right. you know, if, how to say this graciously, if I had more faith, I'd be 
a tent maker, meaning I would have a, a job on the side so that I wasn't a burden to the church. Right. I mean, he also presided over the killings of Christians. So who knows what was going on in Paul's <laughs> mind as to why he accepted or didn't accept money yeah. from the church, right? Like, I, he, I don't know. There's just a lot I feel like you could assume in that situation as well, to why we, he did But or, we also know that Paul was cared for when he was in prison. He wasn't making tents. Right, right, And people right. were coming to him with, yep. in caring for him from the church. And we know that offerings were being moved from city to city to there was money that went back to he Jerusalem. He was actually caring. Right. Yeah. Uh, care money yeah, for Yeah, well, money went back to the central church. I don't know what else, in Jerusalem. Right. <laughs> um, from these, you know, planted churches. And so. But to use Paul as the example that, that we shouldn't pay pastors is to assume that Paul had a motive in not being paid from the church. And we don't know what that is. Right. And we don't right. know if, it, if that was the entirety of his ministry. We don't know any, you know, the right. details of it. Right. I actually think the Levitical principle is probably one of the, one of the most consistent things that we see, right. Is the, the Levites were, were taking their food and their income and they got no inheritance of land. And so from the, the, what the people were contributing, that was how they were sustained. Yeah. So, it's interesting to think about, you know, the comment of, um, I don't think the modern church looks like what God intended. That maybe there's probably some truth in that, mm-hmm. right? Like sure. we need to evaluate ourselves. Like um, certainly the modern church, the whole whole church is not perfect. It We make mistakes, um, you know, but at the same time, I praise God that we don't look like the first century church. <laughs> Yeah, there were some real messes. Yeah, right? and and praise God that we've we've grown and and we we are a living organism and we adapt to our community and we don't look the same in Glen Ellen, Illinois, as we look in you know Beijing or you know San Antonio or wherever you know. Yeah. Um, the local church. I mean, if we want to go back to the modern church or to the to the first century church, I mean, we'd be preaching in a synagogue right now risking flogging and imprisonment. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we'd be giving everything and sharing it amongst each other. Yeah. You know, like there's, it's different. There was a different season. The, the, the launching of the church had different, a different feel and requirements and ideas behind it versus the, the growth, the, the church growth age. And then the, now the modern church. I mean, there's all sorts of, uh, things that God has done in, with, and through the church over centuries, looking at simply the ancient first century church as the, the, the model for how church should be done for all time. I don't think that was God's intent. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think, but I, are there things in the, in the first century church that, man, I wish we could figure out, do better, follow, for sure. I mean, the passion for evangelism, the risking it all, the, yeah. the sending people out, the yeah. laying on of hands and commissioning people to go to dark places. I mean, those things still happen. I wish more of it happened. I wish we were, you know, we lived with that urgency and a survival mindset that the first century church had that, yeah. that we don't really have. We're in a much more established and we're a protected entity versus in our current context, because yeah. right? it's so, powerful when you travel and you see other churches that are in a little closer lockstep with the early church yeah. around the world, where right. you're like, "Wow, they they they're living in danger." Yeah, there is a. Yeah, I'm thankful I'm I'm not in that place, but at the same time, I, I wish I were experiencing some of the fruits that those churches are experiencing. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're not going to experience those fruits unless right. you're in that situation, most right. likely, right? Right. Um, I'd say just for me, philosophically. Um, it's hard for me to imagine. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just difficult to imagine a model that would work for me to do what I do here and do it well and also be a really good husband and father and provide for the family and, and be present and, and work another job full time. Yeah. It's hard for me with the kids at the age they are right now in my life. It's hard for me to imagine being bivocational and being, and just knocking it out of the park in all three areas. Yeah. Well, the expectations would change, yeah, right? Like you the, just wouldn't be able to, yeah, the, tr- the expectations in probably all three of the spheres that you just, uh, gave us would change, right? Like 
bivocational ministers, their, their church expectations, that context and all those sorts of things is different. And many bivocational ministers are working to not be bivocational. Does sure. that make sense? Oh, yeah. So yeah. they're, they're trying, their hope is, yeah, like right. a lot of church planters start out that way, yes. right? Like the church can provide compensation for this much with the hope of growing so that you can dedicate your whole life to. It's yep. interesting. I just met, that, but there are two churches being planted in Glen Ellen right now. Uh, one on main street in the, in the rec center. And then another one hasn't found a location yet. So I've, I've met with two church planters recently uh, both of them, their spouses are working yeah. uh, full-time jobs and, and have that blessing so that they can try to get the, the church off the ground. And their hope, as John was saying, is that the church would be able to cr- create an income and support them at some point. So, One of the things we didn't talk about it is, I think one of the important things to look at is church compensation in, um, as a part of the budget compared to the rest of your budget, because a church can get into a situation where they've become, um, they aren't funding ministry programs, right. outreach, things like that. They're just sustaining mm-hmm. um, employees. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we know of lots of churches like that. They get into, you know, you a get, situation where 90, top heavy. Yeah, 90% of your budget is paying mm-hmm. um, staff, and, and compensation and benefits and, you know, very little is left for, uh, for ministry. And so some denominations have percentages that they require you to follow. Um, we don't do, we're not in that situation, but we do look at it. What, as a part of the whole budget, how much is our compensation? And we try to keep that in check and it's awkward, obviously, for us to talk about our own compensation, so we realize the awkwardness and um, appreciate the opportunity to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good question. All right, well, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate to text the Next Level Podcast to 630-474-6164. This podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for us to get to know Him better. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who do want to get to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning into the next level. prophecy.